I am very touched, I guess, um, this morning by people that are willing to brave the elements and, and to come in and be a part of the goings-on here on Sunday morning. Let's face it, in, in the culture today, there are a hundred things that could pull you to, to somewhere else on a Sunday morning. And um, a lot of folks would use just about any excuse, I guess, um, not to have to get up and make themselves presentable to the rest of the human race and um, come in and, and be a part of the life of the church. But this is a very faithful congregation. It's not huge, but it's faithful. And that means a lot. It means a lot in light of what we're talking about this morning uh, with the covenant, because a, a covenant is, is not a contract, but it is an agreement. And God is always faithful to his part, and we have to examine, especially in this Lenten season, whether or not we are willing to hold up our end of the covenant, our part of the agreement. And let's face it, our burden is not nearly as cumbersome as the one that, that God shoulders. Not nearly as cumbersome. However, it does take an effort, doesn't it? To be a member of the covenant, it takes effort. It takes our being willing to do, to go, to preach, to teach, to spread the gospel and to participate in the life of the church. And so Paul talks about the original covenant that God made with Abraham. And he says, for the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants, that's us, through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, then faith is null and the promise is void. See, it's not about the law. It's not about keeping all of the different components of the law. For the law, it says, brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead 
and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Have you ever thought about that particular verse of Scripture? Calls into existence the things that do not exist. Before God made the covenant with Abraham based on Abraham's faith, the only thing, the only thing that tied people to the one true God was what? But he called into existence this covenant. The very creation of the universe was nothing. It didn't exist until God called it into existence. Man, woman didn't exist until God spoke and called them into existence. Nothing existed before God spoke and called it into being. Do you realize you worship a God who is capable of creating something out of nothing? There's a story about uh, Satan who said, you know, it's no big deal that you created mankind, God. I can do that. I can scoop up dirt and I can form it together and I can make a man just as you can and God said give it a go and so Satan reaches down and he grabs some earth and God goes uh 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 get your own dirt <laughs> calls into existence the things that do not exist Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said. So numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith, as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, the words it was reckoned to him were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Paul has a lot to say there about the covenant that God made with Abraham, this famous promise that God gave to Abraham that his children would possess the earth. And it wasn't given to Abraham because of anything Abraham did or would do. 
It was based on God's decision to put it all together for Abraham. This covenant. And God presented it to Abraham and Abraham entered into the covenant. How? By all the works, the great works that he had done? No. All Abraham did was believe that it was true. See, if, if those who get what God gives them only get it by doing everything that they're told to do, I like the message version. It says, by filling out all the right forms and getting them properly signed. If that's how you get to God, that's not a holy promise. That's a business deal. Right? It's a contract that's drawn up by some hard-nosed lawyer somewhere, and it's got lots of fine print that makes sure that you're not able to collect because it's impossible to fulfill the fine print of the law. We're humans. We can't do it. We can't do it. But if there's no contract in the first place, there's just a promise, right? Not just any promise, but a promise from God. Well, you can't break that. You can choose not to live up to your end of it, but you're not going to dissuade persuade, prevent God from upholding his end of the deal. Can't be done. God is always faithful. When he makes a covenant, he sticks to it, whether we do or not. And this is why the fulfillment of God's promise depends entirely on trusting God and then simply embracing him and what he does. We as the church are to join in with what God is doing in the world. That's our, that's our mission. To join what God is doing. Not invent things that we think need to be done. No. To join in with what God is doing. God's promise arrives to us as this pure gift. That's the only way that everyone can be sure to get in on this is if God initiates it and if it's not up to us. And so those who keep the religious traditions are involved in the covenant and those who've never heard of them are still involved in the covenant. Because Abraham is the father of us all. He's not our father by biology. He's our father by faith. He's our faith father. See, we call Abraham father not because he got God's attention by living like some holy and righteous saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was nobody. Nobody had ever heard of Abram except for maybe his immediate family. Certainly descendants far down the road until the present day would never have heard of Abram had he not been faithful and entered into the covenant that God initiated. 
And so God says to Abraham, I'm going to set you up as the father of many people. And he became a father. He was first named father of many people. And then because of his faith and his trust in God, in knowing that God would do what God said he would do. And God does these things. He raises the dead to life. He causes 99-year-old Abram to father a child in, in Sarai, who becomes Sarah, his wife, even though she had been barren for decades. God is able to create things that don't exist. And so when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. Deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on the basis of what God said he could do. Do we live like that? I wonder. Do we go through our lives worried about what we're capable of or incapable of? Or do we go through our lives wondering... How is it possible but God? God who creates something from nothing. God who makes covenants and makes people somebody from nobody. God who looks at people that we would pass by on the street and not give another thought about their situation, who they are, where they come from, and yet God knows them down to the number of hairs on their head. And so God tells Abraham, you're going to have a great big family. And I will be their God from generation to generation. Not just your God, but your children's God, your grandchildren's God, and on and on. Do we have the faith of Abraham today? Do we have the faith that a small country church in Splendora could grow into a church where every seat is filled. Abraham had faith and became the father of a multitude of people. Do we have the faith of Abraham that this place could be a house of worship for multitudes of people? Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence, his own power, his own will. He focused on God. He didn't say it's hopeless. There's no way this hundred year old body could ever father a child. He didn't look at his wife, Sarah, and say, you know, you've been uh, barren for decades and, and just give up hope. He didn't ask skeptical questions about faith, about God. 
and God's promise. No, he jumped into the promise with both feet. He jumped into the promise and when he did that, he came out of that jumping in. He came to the surface strong. He came up ready for whatever God was going to do. And that's why the scripture says Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting that God would do whatever it took to set him right, to make him capable. And see, the thing about that promise is it wasn't just made to Abraham, it was also made to us. The same thing that gets said about us when we believe in the one who brought Jesus to life when the conditions there were as equally hopeless as a hundred-year-old Abraham fathering a child. See, the sacrifice that Jesus made made us fit for God, set us right with God. Why does this make a difference to us today? Why does Abraham's faith make a difference to us today? Hang with me, I'm wrapping up. God is a God of the covenant. He's a covenant maker and he's a covenant keeper. See, a covenant is a promise that involves trust and responsibility for each of the parties involved in the covenant. And fortunately for us, a covenant with God doesn't depend on our ability to keep the covenant. That's a good thing. Because in our human condition, we're weak and we are more than capable of falling away from the covenant in that weakness. If it were up to us to remember the covenant that God makes with us, the covenant would be long forgotten by now. But it doesn't depend on our memory. But rather it depends on the infinite, unchangeable memory of God. It's the same principle that applies to baptism. If you were baptized as an infant and you don't have any recollection of it, that doesn't matter because that's a covenant with God and God remembers. God remembers always. And his remembering us that's the basis for our security. That's the basis for our salvation. That's the basis for our peace. The fact that God remembers even if we don't. And if you remember your Old Testament, you have to recall that when God made the covenant of the Passover with Israel, he didn't say, when you see the blood on your doorframe, I'll pass over you. I won't kill you. No. He said to Israel, when I see the blood on your doorframe, I will pass over you. In the same way, the covenant we have with God through Jesus Christ is only possible through, through Jesus' work on the cross, not ours. 
And thankfully, through Christ, the new covenant is made and the prophecy that was given in Hebrews 8.12, which says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. When God looks at us through the covenant that he made with us through Christ, all he sees when he looks at you is the pure, righteous, cleansing blood of Christ. By choosing Jesus, we fulfill our part of the covenant with God, who is always faithful, keeps his part by forgetting our sins and remembering them no more. Whatever you've done, whatever went before, God doesn't even remember it. We beat ourselves up constantly for stuff that we've done in the past. Why? Because once you say yes to Jesus, God doesn't even remember it. Why do we hang on to it? And so this Lenten season... Examine your heart and your mind and discern. Figure out whether or not you have entered into this covenant relationship with God. The only way you can enter it, which is through Jesus Christ, believing on him, accepting him as Lord and Savior. And when you enter into that promise, God sees you as acceptable, as pure, as righteous and covered. By the covenantal blood of Jesus Christ, your Savior. And he remembers your sins. No. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.